0: God creator, redeemer, sustainer, draw near now. Amen. Please be seated. For as far back as I can remember, I've heard stories of faith, of stories mired in a belief in the divine and the cultivation of hope, a hope that does not come easily I've heard stories of the spirit. One of the most powerful of those stories came from my father, a man from the South who carved together for himself a belief system that melded what for him were the best parts of the teachings of both Muhammad and Jesus. Still, he would call himself a Muslim. He came to New York from South Carolina in 1937. He was 14 years old. Christianity, as it was presented to him then, didn't leave much space for a young black man who wanted to own his own business, one who didn't want to defer to another adult as boy, a blossoming male child ready to express his agency in the world as a man. No, for him, Jesus was wise and someone from whom we could learn a lot about and a lot from. But Christianity, no thanks, he'd pass. Oh, how I wish he were here to explore with me the understanding of Africa as a rich source for the Christian story. I wish he were here with me to reclaim this theological roots that we have. I wish he knew how Africa and Africans help shape the Christian mind. He was almost 20 years older than my mother when they met on the subway platform in New York City. When I got old enough to realize the significance of this difference, I'd ask him about it. This was me at about six or seven wondering about his mortality, wondering if the daddy I loved would be around for my wedding, or would he be around for all the dreams little girls have of and with their fathers. In response to my wonderings, he'd say, I will live to see my youngest child have children. But how do you know that, I'd ask. And he'd say with the simplest assurance, God promised me, God told me, that I will see my youngest child have children. So I can't read today's gospel without also hearing the whispers of my father's trust in and connection to the spirit. There were other stories, the stories of ordinary believers, believers like you and me who, with the heroes of today's text, look toward the consolation of Israel, look toward the consolation of America, maybe even dare dream for the consolation of the world. Growing up with stories like these, well, it wasn't long before I experienced my own kind of knowing a personal encounter with the divine spirit, the spirit that would lead and guide my life, if I'd let it, if I'd learned to trust enough to respond, if I could learn to listen. Well, that happened for me one day as I sat on the fire escape of our third floor apartment building in bed I could tell you the longer story of something akin to soul flight and a deep knowing even before I could name it that this world was full of spirit and that I was connected to it, held. That sense of being held is with me here in this pulpit. It was with me when I was both entrusted with and birthed children. It was with me when my husband and I walked some of the broken road of a 24 year marriage. That sense of being held Is what i know of spirit and i've grown to trust its leading during my parish discernment one of my committee members a sweet and kind woman in her 80s asked me why do you bother with this church sometimes i can't understand it we've been so mean to your people why would you want to be here in the episcopal church after allowing her question to settle in and on my heart because Quite honestly, it was hard and kind of awesome to hear her challenge me to publicly proclaim my response to a question God had already been working on in me. So after allowing her words to settle, I said, I've come because of a God dream, because the spirit has led me here. I have grabbed hold of the dream of God and I will not let go. To be clear, this isn't the voice of militant defiance. This is the voice of faith, of faith marinated in the blood-soaked soil of the American South. This is the spirituality of my ancestors. It is, was nurtured by the everyday practice and lived faith of my parents. This is the voice of hope. And hope, well, hope is always invested in the future. Having hope allows us to live our lives with courage. It sounds simple, but it wasn't and it isn't easy. Because today we don't hear about the questions. We don't hear Simeon's doubts. Anna's wise. We don't have enough time to consider the inner struggle of poor Mary and Joseph. We don't hear how maybe sometimes it looked like the promise wouldn't or even couldn't come to pass. Simeon believes because he believes and his faith is deep and wide and long-suffering. But when he makes his proclamation, I hear it with an exhale, a deep sigh and perhaps a few tears. Our highlighted heroes of the faith knew what it was to wait. And there is nothing like a season of waiting, of being steeped in a longing so desperate, you know no other option than to keep on believing to mature, to season, to change you. That the longed-for thing arrives, if it arrives, the way you think it will arrive, is a bonus, to be sure. But what happens to you in the in-between time is what transforms you. It alters your character, deepens your resolve. This waiting, this believing is theology, and it is the birthplace of hope. What we see in today's text is the choice to live in hope, come what may. Hope is always a choice. So, this is the life of the believer, and this response to spirit thing is the way we are to live. Simeon hearkens to the voice of the spirit. It drives his every action. The same would be said of Anna, who in response fasts and prays, who in response speaks. She is revered as a truth teller, a leader in her community. But remember, hers is a word for those who will hear, those who will open themselves up to what thus saith the Lord. On a plane home from LA on Friday, I watched the film Harriet. Based on the life of Harriet Tubman, the story is told as an intimate faith journey. In the film, we see Harriet's response to a spirit-filled life. She prays, releases herself to respond to visions, and asks repeatedly that the spirit flow through her. God's voice guides me, she says. Sometimes it's like a smack in the face. Sometimes it's soft. Sometimes I can't understand what it means. Sometimes I'm wrong, but I am always steered in the way I am needed. Always, she says. This kind of promise, this kind of faith has been with me for a long time. It is bred in my culture, baked into the story of my parents and their parents and their parents' parents, people who in the face of systemic constraints were forced to cultivate an interior life of faith, a faith dependent upon a deep knowing and reliance of the spirit. It was the way we met mystery, the way we reweaved our world, this deep listening and tuning into the flow of the spirit goes back to the beginning of the time. It is the spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis, the same spirit that would overtake Mary, the same spirit that would come alive in Elizabeth and the child dancing in her womb. It would come upon Zechariah. The spirit is ancient and ever-present, and it is with us today. It's in the prayer of my great-grandmother as she sang, seated on the weathered rocker on the front porch of our family home in Demopolis, Alabama. The spirituals and hymns Amy sang were simple and true, and she sang until she couldn't sing anymore. Over time, the words would blend into a hum, and the hum would end in this powerfully reverberating silence. And still, we wouldn't interrupt her because we knew the silence was part of it. In some ways, it felt like it was the beginning of it. In the silence, she said, she just listened. In the silence, she could hear. I can only imagine the ways those prayers and the action birthed of them impacted our lives. How it might even impact my life today. She'd say only that she was worshiping God and that that, was all any of us was called to do. African-American theologian Howard Thurman insists that we can all explore what he calls the inner region. It is within this context, through this kind of inner exploration that we are ready to respond, ready to serve the kingdom of God. It is this intentional inward turning that fuels any meaningful religious or spiritual activism. Our text today highlights the witness of credible authorities on the wisdom of waiting and the power of listening and doing, being obedient to the spirit of God. They model for us what it means to be in alignment with the dream of God. When we sing Holy Spirit come, I hear it as an anthem for St. Peter's in this time, in this season, It is a most powerful prayer. Fill your church, fill us with joy. Fill your church, fill us with peace. Fill your church, fill us with love. Grounded in such a spirit-filled prayer, we like Simeon and Anna, like Harriet, can only be steered in the ways that we are needed, in the ways that we should go. Grounded in that kind of inward turning, we can faithfully begin. As believers, we're called to tune in, to be sensitive to, to through fasting and prayer align ourselves with the flow of the Spirit. As believers, we're called to the thin place and are called further to respond to the Spirit as it rests upon us. Today, I pray for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit on your church, Lord and pray this prayer over your people. Come Holy Spirit, have your way. Come great comforter. Come sweet spirit of the living God. Come spirit of prophecy and revelation. Come breath of the almighty. Come counselor, come spirit of might and glory. Come spirit of grace, knowledge, truth, and light. Come Holy Ghost. Come, presence of God, in work and rest, in anxiety and peace, in tears and darkness, in joy. Most High, Heavenly Father, fill our hearts with your faithful, faithful presence. Fill the hearts of your faithful people. With you, we are better. With you, we are more. Come, Holy Spirit, come.